Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. This life can put a lot of demands on us to perform and succeed in business, education, athletics, and even at home. Have you ever wondered, though, what God's definition of success is? What does He want from you? The answer to these questions could be slightly different for each one of us, but there are some foundational elements that are the same for everyone. In our new series, Becoming God's Best for You, we'll explore what it is that God really wants for us individually and how you can become the best version of you as God desires. We believe He wants to speak to you today, so sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. I want to do a couple things real quick before we jump into the message. Um, having said that, if you want to go ahead and take your Bible, turn to uh, Gospel of John chapter 15. Uh, we'll be at verse 1 through 8 in just a moment. But uh, this coming Saturday, uh, Becky, when you see her, she's teaching children this morning. Uh, but she'll be at the next service. If you see her, go ahead and convey sainthood upon her because she's put up with me in marriage this coming Saturday for 45 years. Uh, so uh, you can convey sainthood upon her, not me, but upon her, uh, that she's put up with me that long. Uh, that being said, I don't know what I say about William and Violet Rogers, because today they are celebrating 62 years in marriage. And uh, in, the, in the culture we live in, that needs to be celebrated, doesn't it? You know, the example that that says, thank you guys for the uh, example that you set all those uh, years together and all. We're doing this series entitled Becoming God's Best for You. Uh, God wants that for you. He wants his best for your life. Uh, We started out talking about how it's really, really important for us to uh, read the Bible, believe the Bible, apply the Bible to our lives. If we really want God's best, we need to understand that is the Word of God. Uh, We also talked about salvation because we uh, won't have God's best for our lives apart from salvation, apart from knowing Christ as our personal Savior. We went from there to talk about prayer because God wants us also to communicate with Him. He communicates to us through His Word as we read it, but He wants us to communicate uh, to Him with Him in prayer. And, And then last week we talked about obedience. Uh, because that's part of God's best for our lives also. God will never tell us to do something that is not right for our lives. Amen? So that means what he does tell us to do, it's always right. And and if we uh, want God's best, we need to listen to what he tells us. We need to obey what he tells us um, in his word. Today we're going to talk about abiding. God's best is found through abiding in Christ. Uh, that thought of abiding really means this, guys. Your, your salvation and, and a relationship with Christ is more than you just trust in Jesus for your Savior so you know you're going to heaven. And then you think, well, I've got that done. No, no, he wants an ongoing relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you day in and day out. He wants you to continue to abide uh, with him. And that's kind of the, the main thought we're looking at uh, today. Join me in, uh, in John 15, as I said a moment ago, verse 1 uh, through 8. And um, I, I know you just sat down, but would you mind standing up in honor of God's Word as we read these verses? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let me encourage you to keep your Bible open, because I'm going to bounce around a little bit some of those verses, and it'll be easier for you to keep up by having your Bible open. We'll also wind up in verse 16 of this same chapter near the end of it. Father, we thank you for the chance we have right now to gather together. We thank you for the uh, worship set that we just had the chance to go through. But Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts. And uh, if we're not abiding as close as we should, um, point that out to us so we can change that. If we're not abiding at all, uh, Lord, maybe give a wake-up call uh, to someone that, that thinks they are in you, but maybe they're not. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Vineyards were really, really important to the life of Israel. So when Jesus uses this illustration, it's not like for us to where we might have to think about it because of the disciples, the immediate disciples, his first disciples that he's talking to, when Jesus used this illustration about a vineyard, they would instantly have understood it because they had seen it all their lives. They had seen vineyards managed and a vine dresser to go in and cut grapes away or cut branches away and prune them back. So they understood instantly what he was talking about. But, but for us, I want us to look at it today, and I think there, there are really five main implications, five main implications that we're going to look at today uh, regarding this passage of Scripture. The fifth implication is going to be in verse 16, and we'll get there in, in just a few moments. Implication number one is this. God's best, and that's what we're talking about in this series, God's best comes through connecting to the vine, connecting to the vine. And the vine, of course, is Christ. God's best for us comes through connecting him. Jesus said there in verse 1, the very first part of verse 1, I am the true vine. Down later on the passage in verse 5, the first part of verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. When Jesus made I am statements in the Bible, there's more significance to that than what the average person may attribute to him saying I am. Here, this is the, the seventh instance in John's gospel where Jesus says, I am something. <laughs> and every time he uses that phrase, I am, it is a claim to deity because it is the same process whenever Moses asked God at the burning bush, who shall I tell people that you are? And God said, I am that I am. Then that's the same emphasis that Jesus is putting upon himself here. Jesus, when he says, I am the true vine, it's also a claim to deity. He said, I'm the true vine. I'm not a vine that conceals anything. The word for vine meant coiling around as a support, but the root word 
means around a threshing floor, rolled and crushed grain. So think about that, God. Jesus Christ is the true vine. And the reason he's the true vine goes back to what I said a moment ago when he said, I am. Jesus is the true vine because he is the great I am. Amen. <laughs> he's the ancient of days. He, he's the second part of the triune God. That's why he is the true vine because he is the great one. He is God in the flesh. He is the great I am. And guys, for us as Christians, we ought to always find our truthful sustenance in him. We ought to find what is true from a relationship with him. Jesus ought to be the very life flow for believers, just like you have a vine and the branch needs that, that sustenance coming from the main vine, from the main root, from the main stalk. We need that ourselves. We need that in our own lives. We need to draw our sustenance from the true vine. The problem is in our world, there are many vines out there that people can attach themselves to, aren't there? There are a lot of false vines. The world has a lot of vines that will claim to provide sustenance for people. And the people that are, that are lost, they'll attach themselves to all kinds of things in this world, trying to find sustenance or satisfaction. But you and I as Christians, we need to depend upon our true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's where we find our real life, our real sustenance is found in him. Now, a moment ago, I said the root word referred to a threshing floor. So think about it like this. Our true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, also did this for us. He was crushed for us. He was on the threshing floor for us. He was crushed by our iniquities. He was crushed by our sins, and we ought to trust in him. He, he used this phrase. He, he said, I'm the, the vine, and you're the branches. And that's who we are as, as believers. We're supposed to be branches that are engrafted into him. The word branch means as if a branch had been broken off, is what it literally means. Now, you may be thinking, well, that doesn't sound right, that it's a branch that's broken off if we're a branch that's connected to him. But, but it is right if you think about it in the correct way. Inherently, by ourselves and who we are, none of us are part of the vine. Amen? We have to be engrafted into the true vine. We weren't part of the true vine. You and I weren't just born part of the true vine. But, but by faith in Jesus Christ, we are engrafted into him. We are connected into him. When we trust him as our Savior, he engrafts us into this life-giving relationship with him. If you've got a limb that's detached and it's not really engrafted, it might look green for a few days, but what happens with it? It starts to wither, doesn't it? <laughs> It starts to bear evidence that it's not really truly connected. So maybe ask yourself this today, guys. Ask yourself, what kind of branch are you? Ask yourself if you know for sure your branch has been engrafted into the vine. That you know without any doubt that Christ is your Savior. That you are sure that he's your Savior. Because we find God's best through our lives by truly, truly being connected to Jesus. And if you do know you've been connected to him, here's the second part of that. God wants you to abide. He wants you to stay connected. He wants you to have that kind of relational activity with him. God wants you to be uh, attached to him. Because if we're not attached to him in our lives, even though we know Christ as our Savior, and if all of a sudden we kind of detach ourselves from our fellowship with him that he wants us to have with him, you know what happens to our lives? 
You're not lost, but here's what happens. You start to wither. I've experienced it in my own life. If we pull away from that relationship that he wants us to have, that fellowship that he wants us to have, we will start to wither. So ask yourself, what kind of branch are you? Because you can't really experience God's best for your life unless you are truly connected to Jesus, who's the true vine. Second implication is this. God's best is found in abiding as branches. The the branches, of course, are are Christians, those who are especially disciples who want to have that really, really close relationship to Jesus. Look at verse 3 through 5. He says, already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's several important things I want to point out. They're not going to be on the screen. If you want all the notes, you can uh, go to our page on, online and look at our website and find all the notes there. But I want to walk through some things that I just read. Notice that Jesus is telling his disciples they're already clean. Did you see that? He looks at these disciples, he says they're already clean. They've already been made pure by their faith in him, by their faith in his words, by believing what he has spoken into them. Now that's true of all the disciples except who? Judas. Because he was never really part of them. Jesus is looking at his disciples, those original disciples, and he's saying that you're, or you're a branch that's been engrafted into me. You've been engrafted into the vine. You're already clean. He, he uses a phrase there in the present tense that means this in the Greek. Jesus is saying even now you exist as clean and pure because the channel of the act you have believed in what I have told you. Now, now, guys, that's not just true of those original disciples. If you have believed the words of Jesus, if you have believed in the gospel, guess what today that means of you? That means you exist as clean as far as God is concerned. One of the ploys the devil wants to use against us to keep us from really serving him and being involved in discipleship and being involved in sharing our faith is this. If he can keep us guilty over our past... He can keep us from doing the things that God calls us to do. You are free if you've received Christ as your Savior. You have been set free. You don't need to be bound up in the past. Jesus, what he said to these original disciples is true of you. If you've trusted in Christ, if you truly trust in him, you exist as far as God is concerned. You exist clean and pure, not based on your own virtue, but based upon the virtues of Christ. Because of who he is, God has imputed the very righteousness of God to your account. So you exist as clean. But Jesus is also telling his disciples this. He's saying, even though you are clean, you still need to abide in me and bear fruit as a way you ought to live your lives. That's what he's letting these disciples know. He's saying you've been made clean, but even though that's true, there's still something for you to do. You don't just sit around and say how clean I am until I get to heaven. He wants you to be abiding in him. He he wants you to be bearing fruit for him. The the word abiding, that phrase, means to stay in a given place, to stay in a state or relationship. 
It is translated as abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, carry forward, and it denotes a fixed position. That's who you are in Christ. In a fixed position, he wants you to stay abiding with him in such a way that you can bear fruit, in such a way that you can glorify him, in such a way that you are so connected to the mind that is Jesus Christ, and that he is also in you, in a fixed position in you, that empowers you to have the fellowship with God that you need to have. And as we have the fellowship with God, the fellowship with Christ that we ought to have, that helps us to naturally bear fruit. It helps us to do the things that he wants us to do for him. I want you to notice something else that Jesus said there. He said a branch, which once again, as a Christian has been engrafted in him, a branch cannot truly bear fruit by itself without abiding in the vine. Our culture and people by their own predetermined mindset in this day and time want to push back against that. Because they want to act like, well, I, I don't need Jesus to bear good fruit. That's your perspective. <laughs> God's perspective is you cannot bear fruit unless you're connected to Jesus. You, you cannot bear the kind of fruit that he wants you to bear. You cannot bear fruit by yourself. You absolutely cannot bear fruit by yourself. The word that he uses for fruit means something that can be plucked or, or something that can be seized upon. In other words, it's something that people can see. It's something that's evident. God's producing fruit is completely different than other things we think about in our culture. A, a machine cannot produce fruit. A, a robot cannot produce fruit. It takes a living organism to produce fruit. And the only way we can produce fruit is as living organisms, we're connected to Jesus, who's the true vine. That's what enables us to produce fruit. And as we bear fruit, we need to remember this, and I'll probably say this a couple of times this morning, because as we bear fruit, you need to remember this. The fruit that you're bearing is for God's glory and is for others. A branch doesn't eat its own fruit, does it? The branch grows the fruit, and someone else comes by, and it's attractive to them, and they see it, and they reach out, and they pluck it, and, and they feed upon it. That's the way God wants our Christian lives to be. God wants other people around us to see something that attracts them to Jesus, something that's attractive, some fruit in our life to where they can come over, and they can pluck that, and they can benefit from it, and they can gain what they need from it. That's the kind of fruit that God wants us to be bearing in our lives, that Christ calls us to bear in our lives. He also kind of gave them a reminder of who he is and who we are. Did you notice that Jesus said this in those verses I read a moment ago? He said, I am the vine. I exist as the vine. And he said, you are the branches. Can, can you stop and think for a minute about how much better our lives would be if we would get that truth right? I'm not the vine. You're not the vine. He's the vine. And we're the branches. Wouldn't that adjust our attitudes a lot of times? When we act like we're the vine, <laughs> when we act like we're our all in all, when we need to recognize he is the one that's the vine and, and we're the ones that's the, the branches. 
We admit our need of him. We, we admit our weakness. We admit our need of, of his strength in our lives. Jesus in those verses also said this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So abiding in Jesus produces much fruit in our lives. If we're really abiding in him, if we're allowing him to abide in us, if we've got that type of fellowship going on with Jesus to where we are abiding in him day in and day out, not just the thing of saying, well, I know I'm on my way to heaven. No, I'm talking about a, a fellowship where you're abiding in him and you're allowing him to abide in your life. You're remaining in him. You're allowing him to remain in your life, to guide your life. Abiding in Jesus in that way will help produce much fruit in our lives. He's saying he or she, the same person that's abiding in that way, can carry forth, can bear much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit that people can seize upon and use. And then Jesus also this said this in those verses, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, disconnected from him, we cannot do one thing in regards to really bearing fruit. Apart from me, at a space from him, at a distance from him, we can't bear fruit. If you read that in the Greek, there's a double negative that's used there. We can't pick it up in the English. But the word not appears in there twice in the original Greek sentence. And what that simply means is this. When Jesus did that, when he used a double negative, he's saying you absolutely, absolutely cannot bear fruit by yourself. Because apart from him, we're really nothing. Thad Dowdle, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me talk about Thad before. Thad was my systematic theology professor years ago when I first started in Bible college. Uh, he pastored College Avenue Baptist Church for years and years and years. And then after he left College Avenue, he went to Fruitland Bible Institute uh, up there, and he wound up even being the dean uh, of students at one point in time. Here's what Thad said about nothing. He said, nothing is a zero with the edges wiped off. That's pretty much nothing, isn't it? <laughs> Guys, that's who we are without Jesus. We're without him. We can't really do anything because apart from him, we cannot do what he calls us to do. Apart from him, we can do nothing. The third implication I want you to see this more from this passage is this. God's best for your life also involves pruning. God's best for your life involves pruning. Now, you may not like the pruning part, <laughs> I may not like the pruning part. I imagine if a tree or a grapevine or whatever could speak, it would say the pruning doesn't feel good. Amen? Because <laughs> the pruning involves something being cut away. And yet in order for us to have God's best in our lives, we need to be allowing the, the vine dresser, which is God the Father, to prune things in our lives. John 15, the second part of verse 1 down through verse 2. After Jesus said, I'm the true vine, he said, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more 
fruit. Jesus uses an illustration of God the Father being the land worker or the farmer. That's what the word literally means. He's the one that's taking care of the vine, being sure that the vine produces the best fruit that it can possibly produce. And he said that the vine dresser takes away, if it's a, a branch that is not producing fruit, that the vine dresser takes away. And that means to lift up or take away. But guys, this catch this because I think this is important. This phrase that Jesus uses was also a Hebrew expression for dealing with sin. For dealing with sin. For expiating sin. Which possibly means this. It possibly means that God deals with a branch that doesn't bear fruit. There are a lot of different thoughts about this passage of Scripture. Some people will say that, that if it's a branch that's not bearing fruit at all, that means it's completely lost. But Jesus said, any branch that is mine. Did you see how he said that? So it may not be referring to someone being lost because they're not bearing any fruit whatsoever. It could be a vine that is connected to Jesus, but they're not being as fruitful as they ought to be. And because of that, God deals with that branch. He may not be pruning it, but he deals with it. He deals with the sin in that life of that individual because he's wanting that branch to become fruitful. I think it would help us when we think about being a branch that maybe is not bearing the amount of fruit that we should the context of this whole passage we're looking at today is not salvation, but it's fruitfulness. The context is not telling you how to be saved. The context is talking about fellowship with the vine, abiding in the vine. And if we're not careful, we'll speak too much into it. You see, real salvation, I'll come back to this in a moment with some verses to prove it. Real authentic salvation cannot be lost or taken away. You can't be authentically a branch and all of a sudden not be a branch. Then Jesus goes on and he says this, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Every branch means the whole. Every branch is connected to him. And we're bearing some fruit. He will come in and prune us. By the way, the word for prune is the same word that Jesus used, a different version of it when Jesus said, you are clean because of the word I spoke to you. Jesus said, if you are bearing fruit, God wants you to bear more fruit. It's a thought here. That's why he will prune you. The purpose is that that branch might bear forth more fruit, much fruit. And as I said a moment ago, if a vine could talk, it would say, man, it hurts. But the thing about pruning, it also helps. If you've got a plant, an apple tree or whatever it is, and there's uh, dead limbs there, it helps the health of the whole tree, the whole vine, to cut away that which isn't bearing fruit whatsoever. It even helps the branch become more fruitful if not just a bad thing is cut away, but, but sometimes God needs to cut away good things in our life so we can produce the best thing in our lives. Does that make sense to you? The vine dressers in the middle of the leaves, sometimes they would cut away 
whole bunches of grapes early on as they started producing. Here's why they would do that so the other grapes that were there could become a higher quality, so that there could be larger grapes and, and bear forth much better fruit. And while we may not like pruning when God prunes our lives, when he cuts away things in our lives, God may cut away the bad, but he also may cut away things that you're so involved in that can be good. It might not be a sin, but it's not the best. And it's hindering you from bearing the best fruit that you could for for him. That's why he wants to prune those things away. How many has been pruned more than once by God in your life? Because he'll prune many times in our lives, cutting away bad things that hinder our fruitfulness and even removing good things. So we can focus on the best things and bear fruit for him. For us to experience God's best, we need to experience God's pruning. I grew up in apple country over in Wilkes County. Some of my family had apple orchards over there. And they would come through and they would do that. They would cut the tree back so it would become more fruitful. I planted three apple trees and one pear tree up where we live there at the cabins. I was telling Matt the other day, we got to figure out how to prune these <laughs> so they've been more fruitful. I need to get some advice from some of my family members to look online or whatever. We were having a staff meeting this past weekend. Daryl used an analogy about a tomato plant, and I've been doing the same thing because I've got a small garden that I planted this year. And if you've got a tomato plant that's growing up, and where you've got a, a Y uh, here on the main branch and a, and a branch coming out, if there's one that starts up between the two, that's a sucker branch. And it will cut down on the vitality that the rest of the plant ought to have. You know what you need to do with that? You need to pinch it away. Don't let it keep growing. Guys, that's the way it is in our lives. If you have things sucking away your spiritual vitality in your life, you need to allow God to pluck that away. Because he wants you to be as fruitful as you possibly can be for him. Here's implication number four. God's best for your life and for my life includes becoming more and more fruitful. And here's why. The results of everything we've been talking about is for God's glory. That's why we need to be connected to the vine. That's why we need to fellowship with Christ as much as we can, why we need to abide with him. That's why we need to invite God as a vine dresser to prune us and cut some things out of our lives that should not be there or things maybe that's not the best so we can produce the best for him. God's best includes becoming more and more fruitful so we can bring more glory to him. The more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we can bear. And God is glorified by us bearing more and more fruit. Let me point out some things in this passage. First of all, abiding in Christ increases fruitfulness, increases fruitfulness. I want you to notice the progression that takes place here. In this passage of Scripture, it talks about bearing fruit, but then it talks about more fruit, and then it talks about much fruit. So there's this progression that ought to be happening in our life to where we're growing more and more fruit. John 15, the second part of verse 2 says this, Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, or that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
John 15, the second part of verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears notice this. It's not just talking about fruit or more fruit. He it is that bears what? Much fruit. God wants that to be a progression in our lives. You might say, well, I, I, I bore some fruit for God. That's great. Maybe you bore some fruit years ago. That's great. You know what? He wants you to bear more fruit. <laughs> and not just more fruit. He wants you to bear much fruit. There needs to be this spiritual growth taking place in our life. This spiritual vitality to where we are growing more fruit and much fruit for him. The problem is if we're not abiding in Christ, that increases fruitfulness. If we fail to abide in Christ, you know what that does? That decreases fruitfulness in our lives. If we're not abiding in him, because it can decrease our fruitfulness even to the point of being useless. Verse 6 said this, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. The word wither means just to shrivel away. Guys, a, a Christian that is not abiding in Christ, if you're not careful, you can become a useless Christian. You can come to the point in your life that you've ruined your testimony or whatever else, and God can't really use you anymore. We, we don't like to talk about things like this, but the Bible talks about this over in, I think it's First John, but, but there is a sin unto death. And some people might think, well, what in the world does that mean? I, I think it may mean this. Sometimes we mess our lives up so bad, God is better off and his purposes are better off if he just takes us out of this world before we injure our ability all the more to bear fruit for him. Does that make sense? It's of him letting you continue, continue, continue on in the wrong direction that can hinder the gospel and hurt other people. Even though you're a believer, there's a sin and a death that can even happen for a believer if they decide so to go out and rebel against God that God is better served just to take them out of this world then before they make things worse. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this passage of Scripture, he said whenever you're looking at a parable, or an allegory, which this is, you have to be careful about just grabbing everything that's said there and making doctrine out of it. <laughs> because some people want to read this and say, all right, it's withered and then it's thrown into the fire. Does that mean it's cast into hell? And that may not be the point that Jesus is making here at all. It could be the point, but it may not be because he's using the illustration and telling this is what happens in the vineyard. The detached vines are taken off over here. They're useless. So since they're useless, they, they just do away with them. It doesn't necessarily have to mean here, and there's a lot of debate about this, about, about what it means. But think about it like this, guys. You know what one of the most terrible judgments God could bring upon you and I as a Christian? If we get to the point, even though we know him, that God just gives up on us and leaves us to our own devices. That can be a terrible, terrible judgment upon a believer. If God's been trying to guide you, mold you, lead you in the way he wants you to go, and you continue to rebel and continue to rebel, continue doing the things you shouldn't be doing, God can come to the point that he says, you're useless to me now, I'm just going to leave you alone. And you experience this spiritual withering in your life. I know for sure what is said here does not mean a person that's really a branch 
will be cast into hell. I know for sure that's not what this passage means. I think John 15, 6 may be describing divine discipline instead of eternal destiny. Because if a Christian could lose their salvation, it would contradict some other things that Jesus said just inside the gospel of John. Now, now guys, I want you to think about that because it, it, Jesus is who he claims to be and he is God in the flesh. I think he's got enough wisdom not to contradict himself within the same book. Amen? So I, I want you to notice a couple of things Jesus said. In John chapter 6, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. John chapter 10, verse 28 through 30, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So there's no way this is talking about really being a branch. Maybe you look like a branch, but you're not. But if you are really a branch that's been engrafted into the vine, there's no way that you lose your salvation. Because he's the one holding on to you. You're not holding on to him. And he said, I will never, ever cast you out. But here's a reality check. Though. A person who claims to be a Christian but who has never, ever given any evidence of bearing fruit for Christ may need to be concerned whether they're really a branch or not. If there's never, ever been any life change, if there's never, ever been any bearing fruit whatsoever. Notice this also, abiding in Christ produces fruitful praying. John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's one of those things in prayer that I dealt with a couple of weeks back. That is not a formula that tells you as long as you're fellowship with Christ, you can pray for a brand new Mercedes and boom, the Mercedes will be in your driveway. The health and wealth bunch has taken that and perverted what it says. You've got to read it in context. What's the context of this passage of Scripture? The context of this passage of Scripture is about bearing fruit. So what Jesus is saying is this. If you are praying that kind of prayer, if you are praying about bearing fruit for him, that's the kind of prayer that he answers. It's not some kind of magical formula where you can pray whatever you want to pray. And then notice this also, abiding and bearing much fruit glorifies God. First part of verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's what glorifies God. Bearing fruit glorifies Him, but look, if you bear much fruit, if you are so abiding in the vine that you are bearing much fruit, that's what brings glory to God. Your bearing fruit is not about you. Your bearing fruit is not so somebody can look at you and say, oh, well, look at Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian over there. No, your bearing fruit is to glorify God. And Jesus said this, abiding and bearing fruit is proof of being a disciple. Look at the second part of verse 8. And so prove, so give evidence <laughs> to be my disciples. You don't know why you need to bear fruit? Just saying you're a Christian, just showing up at church on Sunday is not showing a lost world all around you 
that you're really an authentic disciple of Christ. That's why we need to so fellowship with him, that we have fruit in our lives that other people can glean from. One last thought, and then we're done. Implication number five is this, and drop down to verse 16 for implication number five. God's best does this. We've talked about fruit, more fruit and much fruit. God's best in your life generates eternal fruit or abiding fruit. Verse 16 says, you do not choose me. And he's talking to those original disciples, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Once again, he's talking about that fruitful type of praying. Jesus chose his first disciples. He went about and he called them to come and follow him. And then Jesus appointed them for them to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains. The word that he used there for abide or remains, depending on your translation, means to stay. It means to stay in a given place, a given state, a given expectancy. It means to continue or endure. And if you are an authentic branch, if you really know Christ as your Savior, the same thing Jesus told those original disciples, he has for us to do. He wants us to go and bear much fruit. He wants us to bear fruit that remains. Now, you might be asking yourself, what kind of fruit is it that remains? Because there's all kinds of fruits we can have. There's fruits of the Spirit and other things like that. But I think primarily this is what he's talking about. The main fruit that you and I can bear that will remain is this. When we lead somebody to Jesus Christ and we disciple that person because by doing so, that fruit will remain in heaven forever. Amen? And as we disciple them, they will be marrying more fruit and more fruit and more fruit and those fruit will abide forever as they reach out and disciple other people. You want to know who you are today? Jesus said that you'll go and bear fruit to those original disciples and that your fruit will remain. If you know Christ is your Savior, we're part of that. We're part of their fruit. Because those original disciples went forth to spread the gospel and, and, and to write the New Testament and give us the gospel that we read today. So if you know Christ is your Savior, you're part of their fruit. And you will remain forever as part of their fruit if you authentically know Christ is your Savior. If you don't know him, you can know him. But God in this passage of Scripture, Christ in this passage of Scripture is calling upon all of us to bear fruit, to bear more fruit, to bear much fruit, and to bear eternal fruit. And when we're praying about that, that's the kind of prayer that God answers. God's best for you is found in abiding in Christ, and abiding in Christ will generate bearing fruit for him. Remember what I said earlier? The branches don't consume the fruit. If everything in your Christian life is about you, you're missing your calling. You're coming to day three. You're participating in maybe anything you do at day three. That's not for you. That's for fruit for somebody else to eat. And also I want you to think about fruit. Real fruit bears seeds for new fruit. Amen? Because those seeds and the real fruit, when they are planted and they die to themselves, it produces new fruit. And if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're an authentic Christian, if you're an authentic branch, and you're bearing authentic fruit, 
There ought to be seeds within your life that's producing more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And it's fruit that will last forever. The main truth, I think, in this passage of Scripture is this. It's the importance of abiding in Him. And the more we abide in Him, the more equipped we are to bear fruit for Him. The main teaching here is fellowship resulting in fruitfulness. He's not talking about being saved or maintaining salvation. But at the same time, as I said earlier, if you claim to be Christ, but you've never ever had any fruit, any change experience in your life, you might ought to be concerned about that. If there's never been any change whatsoever. So this morning, do you know for sure that your branch is connected to the vine? Is there any doubt in your mind whether you are really connected, whether you've been engrafted in the vine? Are you abiding in Christ and fellowshipping with him if you do know him? Are you spending time abiding with him, fellowshipping with him? Do you experience God's pruning? Have you ever experienced God's pruning? And the reason that's a serious question, if you're really his, you're going to experience pruning. Amen? If you've never, ever experienced pruning for the stuff you're doing, maybe you're illegitimate. Maybe you don't really belong to him. All serious stuff for us to think about this morning. And if you have experienced God's fruit, you ought to be happy and be glad. You want to know why? Because he's working on you to make you more fruitful. And as we're more fruitful, we can bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and eternal fruit. Fruit that abides. Let's pray. Father, I pray you help us to evaluate this morning, each and every one of us, whether or not we're really a branch that's been engrafted into the vine. And Father, if there's anyone here that you know that they're not authentic, they're not really being engrafted into the vine, God, I pray right now you help them to see themselves as that. And Father, I pray you draw them to yourself. Father, I pray for authentic believers that are here, but maybe they're withering somewhat because they've they've not been abiding in you. Father, I pray you help them make conscious decisions today to fellowship more with you, to abide more in you, to allow you to abide more in them, that they can cannot have withering, spiritual withering taking place in their life, but that they can bear much fruit. And by doing so, glorify you. Father, help all of us to bear eternal fruit. Help us to have fruit that remains by leading others to Christ, by teaching them how to lead others to Christ and how to disciple other people so they can have fruit that remains for all eternity. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand. God is speaking to you. We invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you.
Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.